Welcome back to Screen People. My friend Steven and I recently did a retrospective review episode of The Matrix. This happened to coincide with the release of the fourth Matrix film, Matrix Resurrections. So, we thought it might be fun if we went and watched this new film and discuss what we thought about it. Listeners, as usual, please be warned, this episode is full of spoilers. Welcome back to Screen People. This is our mini-episode, attempt number two. And this time I have my wonderful friend Stephen, who is my co-host today. Hello, me again. Exactly. We did an episode where we uh, watched or re-watched The Matrix, having not seen it in many, many, many years. I figured it would be really cool, since in the same month that that episode was released, The Matrix was having its fourth film uh, come out in theaters, if we actually both went and watched it and gave a reaction. But to make it interesting, because you've already heard us talk for an hour, we're not going to allow ourselves to talk for an hour. We're going to talk for 15 minutes. We have not discussed our reaction to the fourth film at all. I have purposely not read anything, unlike in my regular episodes. Um, so this is just going to be completely unfiltered. It might come out as babble. We'll see. I'm going to set the timer, Stephen, and right. we will begin. The Matrix, what did you think? All right. When the trailer for this movie came out, I had three questions slash concern. Uh, the first one was, I think, what most people thought is, wait a minute, those two characters are dead, how come we're getting another movie? Absolutely. I decided to set that one to a side, figuring, okay, they've come up with some way of bringing them back, hence the resurrections in the title. We'll see what happens. Second concern was, oh dear, is this just a studio cash grab? Has an exec somewhere said, oh, let's make another Matrix movie? Uh, You thankfully allayed those fears for me uh, when you went through the history of how this story came to be and how the movie got produced. So I was good there. And then the third question, which I think is the most important, and I need your help in answering, is can you enjoy this movie if you haven't seen the first three, or are the first three required viewing in order to get the most out of this fourth movie? And so with those questions in mind, uh, we went and we watched the uh, Matrix Resurrections. And to sort of sum up things as briefly as possible, I will say that uh, I liked this movie. I thought it was very well done. I enjoyed the story, liked everything about it for the most part. But I really do think you had to have seen the first three, and the more recent you've seen them, the better, in order to get everything out of this movie. Um, thankfully, my wife and I watched movies two and three in the period between watching the first one and watching the fourth one, and we were giggling and laughing at all of the little references that got thrown in. Having done that, we got the most out of it. I know that when we last spoke, you weren't going to watch the numbers two and three before watching the fourth. And so I'm curious to know, did you enjoy this movie as much as I did? My reaction to the film, honestly, from from the get-go, I was amused. I thought it was clever. Uh, I thought it was really inspired and really creative to have written yourself out of a story and then come back 20 years later and write yourself back into the story was an impossible task that either was going to look like, oh, here comes the studio, like we said, you know, trying to make some cash. And I think she did an exceptional job 
uh, with the with the writing of the story. It was really very much a fourth chapter. And yes. it explored things that I don't think had been explored in the past. But to go back to your your question, can somebody watch this without referencing the other ones? Probably. You can probably watch this as an independent piece of film. Okay. Why would you watch something that is on the fourth chapter of something right. and, be, and that be your first one, right? That would be confusing. That would be like watching Harry Potter 4 without the first ones. You might be a little confused. You might be. Yes. No, I, I, it's a good way of putting it. But here's the thing. I did think about you and your beautiful wife because even though I was enjoying the movie, I had instant regret. I had instant <laughs> regret because I knew there were references that I was missing. Yeah. There were nods to the other films mm -hmm. that would have been better experienced had I rewatched two and three. Yes. Because I just would have caught a lot more stuff. I could feel myself not catching things, little things. And honestly, I haven't watched the, I only watched the second and third one once in my life. Mm -hmm. I don't remember when that was. I remember some of the visuals of it, but as far as the story of it, it's completely lost in the void of my mind. Right. So, yeah. So there was a couple places where I'm like, I understand where you're going with this. I'm sure that everyone yeah. who watched those other movies is way more in tune with this than I am. The the one scene in particular where that sort of drove this point home was the fight scene in the warehouse prior to getting to Trinity, uh, because it saw the return of the Merovingian, a character from the second and third films, who is now, rather than the well-to-do, very well-groomed person that he was, is now basically a bum dressed in rags with a scraggly beard who did nothing but sort of sit and curse in French for the entire fight scene. My wife and I were laughing hysterically at that because, you know, we knew who he was. And it occurred to me, it's like, oh, you haven't seen the movies in forever. Do you remember him? Does this make any sense to you whatsoever? It only made sense in that I, as I was watching this, I went, oh, darn, he's from the second and third one. Mm -hmm. That's all I could think about. Uh, I'm sure this is great for anybody who recently rewatched that. <laughs> Steven. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this, because of course yes. we're going to be very short on time, but I have to ask you this. Yep. One of the coolest things that the movie did from the beginning was the conversation about creating the fourth game. Yes. So, that. <laughs> for anyone who, anybody who's listening to this would have hopefully watched the movie already. But, number one, the fact that she turned the Matrix into a video game, mm -hmm. amazing, but the fact that then we have him in a meeting where they're trying to discuss how do you possibly make a fourth... 20 years after the release of the original three. <laughs> and they use all the same things, like, they died, how do we do this, right? Yeah. What does this even mean? What is the Matrix? What is the purpose? And I was... Gosh, I was just... I was tickled at mm -hmm. this conversation. It was, it was doing such an exceptional job of telling us the story that we're all... You know, we're all wondering about. Yeah. And and poking fun. I loved the the little snippets that they threw in with each of the people sort of pitching their ideas. You know, one of them went, oh, you know, well, the, the first three games were about capitalism, man, or, you know, something like that. Like, These are probably all interpretations of the first three movies that have come up over Absolutely. the years. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is awesome. This is fun. I loved, and I don't usually say that I would love flashbacks from other movies. 
But I felt like they used this so well. Yeah, they wove them in very well, I thought, particularly at those times where, oh, there really should have been a scene that you should remember from the previous movies. Well, here's a quick glimpse of it to either jog your memory or kind of clue you in as to what we're looking back at. But no, I, I agree. It was expertly done. If I were to choose one word to describe this movie, clever. Yes, that's a very good word for it. It's it's just a clever film. It's just a clever script. Um, and again, I found it so surprising. I found having Neo have like, you know, feel like he's had a mental breakdown and, and he's trying to deal with that and he's pure depression. And just it made him such a vulnerable character mm -hmm. in the way that if, you know, I, you, I can still remember some of the other movies, but, you know, he became, you know, larger than life, you know, almost godly. And he was so vulnerable for so much of it. This And the scenes between him and Trinity, even though there weren't many, were just so good. Yes. There was something, I don't know, like, Keanu really hit it this time as far as, like, just the performance. Agreed. Uh, and the the conflict. And also, she was exceptional too. The One of the things I loved about the early scenes between the two of them, when they still you know, hadn't figured out that the other was really the person that they were, there's got to be a more succinct way of putting that, but um, before they recognized, truly recognized each other, was just sort of the, the pain that both of them kind of brought to that, uh, to those scenes. You could tell that she, you know, she wanted to be something that she once was, but now isn't. He wanted her to be the person that he thought she was. And yet there was enough doubt displayed through both of them that, you know, it's like, oh, this, it's meant to be. You don't see it yet, but, you know, please hang in there. <laughs> There was something very interesting about his inability to be who he was that I found very powerful. Um, I don't know, the fact that the entire movie, he's wanting to fly and he can't. And even they even made a joke about it, right? Right when everything yep. gets really, really bad. And he's like, oh, can you fly? And he tries and he goes, nope. That's, that's not happening. Funny. Brilliant. That. Right? But to have that flipped and it be Trinity who suddenly sees and has the power and has that control there was mm. something really moving about that she's holding on to him right we made yes. such a big deal of him being the one right so to see that story kind of change yes. and then to see her suddenly be able to control it in a way that he couldn't still at that moment wow that was moving that was good and I'm, i was trying to think of something to throw in there but again, it's one of those, I, I agree with everything you've said. <laughs> we are terrible co-hosts. Co-hosts, yes, we are. <laughs> so here's a, another quick question okay. for you. New characters versus old characters. Mm -hmm. Who were you invested in? Can mm. you name any of the new characters that showed up? And I ask this, and I will admit this, I could not. I spent five minutes or so prior to recording here, kind of going back and looking up the cast list and going, oh, that's right, that was her name. Because I was like, oh, it's it's cool British captain of the new ship with the blue hair. <laughs> Couldn't tell you her name up until, you know, 15 minutes ago. 
Nope. I can't remember nope. anybody's okay. name. I mean, I can only remember one of them, and it was because he was a character in the first ones. Oh, there you go. Um, no, I, we apologize to the wonderful actors who were in this film whose names we cannot remember. The film was so focused on the two of them, and I was so focused on the two of them, that, uh, yeah, kind of everything else sort of fell by the wayside in a way. Mm -hmm. Which is good because, as we talked about, she said, this is a love story. This fourth yes. chapter is a yes. love story. Though there were several scenes where, to, to use the old phrase, they just left me wanting more. It's like, okay, we are introduced to the new city of Io. We see Io for maybe, what, 10 minutes of screen time, if that? And then we're out and back to, you know... Uh, the Matrix and the Machine City. Like, there, there was an awful lot of world that was built up for not a whole lot of screen presence. Do you think that may have had something to do with the pandemic? Oh. Think about it. We're yeah. still in the pandemic. Okay, so yeah, still still in the pandemic, so you're not going to have gigantic crowd scenes or anything right. of, of, of that nature. But the scene where Neo is introduced to the botanist, and they have grown strawberries for the first time. That's a heck of a big deal. In terms of the world, that is a very big deal. Did that have to be included in the movie? Because once again, it's just a scene that's a couple minutes long at most, and then we never revisit it. One of the things that I thought was interesting that Neo himself brought up was we're right back where we started. Mm. And mm -hmm. the character of the captain trying to convince him that, no, you have done good. There, Good things came from what you did. Ah, and I okay, think yes. we needed yeah. that context. We needed to show him that things had changed and that things had gotten better. They weren't great Very yet, good. but they were better. There had been progress that his sacrifices were not for not or nothing. Ah, very true. Very true. Good so point. I think that was I think that was necessary for the story. We needed to see that there was still civilization and that it had actually moved forward. Because if not, what did all these people die for? Right. That's my guess. And I, I don't want this to be construed as me not liking the movie. Again, I loved it. Um, to use your word, very clever, remarkably amusing, a, a fun time throughout. It's just in sitting and think, looking back, I started going, eh, are there some things that didn't work for me as well as perhaps they, they should have? Jonathan Groff. Yes. So good. Their whole dynamic was so wonderful. It felt like people who had known each other forever. They'd known each other forever, and they were not not the odd couple because they weren't completely opposite in terms of their personalities. But yeah, you could see, okay, here is the creative type who has come up with all of these nifty ideas, and here is the business type who can actually take it and market them. And they have that relationship almost out of necessity because, yeah, I need you to be creative. You need me to get all the financing and stuff done. So we we put up with one another. <laughs> But then to have that then become Smith yes. was exceptional. Just actually, honestly, all the villains in this one were just very interesting, very different. Neil Patrick Harris was fantastic. Creepy. He was creepy the entire time. There was nothing not creepy about him. Also, I loved how they included bullet time. Not only included it, it was a prime focus and a prime weapon for the enemy. Oh, yeah, that, that thing that you did. Thanks for that. I've improved on that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I remember that scene happening and thinking to myself, oh my God, did they just take the very thing that they became famous for and mm -hmm. included it in the plot? Yep. <laughs> that was amazing. Well, it has been 15 minutes. 
And we have spent 15 minutes agreeing with each other. This is a very, this is a very visceral relationship. Um, We like a lot of the same things. It's true. There you go, folks. Uh, I know that you have been blown away by this and um, you're welcome. We'll do more of these or we won't. We have no idea. (laughs) All we know is that we look for excuses to talk to each other. And agree with each other on things. So maybe it doesn't make for riveting content, but it does <laughs> feel good for both of us. <laughs> you agree with me? I agree with me too. <laughs> this is great. Man, yeah, it's it's therapeutic. We walk away just feeling really good about ourselves. So thank you so much, Stephen, for jumping in here and agreeing You're with very me. You're welcome. Anytime. That is exactly how I like it. 